Welcome back to Association Data Points, where we discuss associations, nonprofits, data, and the people behind the numbers. I'm Aaron Peters, here with my co-host, Brian Seabacher. Hey. Hi, Brian. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing, Aaron? I'm great. Just got back from vacation. I'm Me too. tan. I'm rested. I'm at least rested. I don't I don't know about tan. <laughs> well, I was I was in the in South Carolina and the sun was was hot and close. But a great way to come back here today. We have Artisha Moore in the studio. So I'm yes. just gonna jump right in. Artisha, welcome. Hi, and I'm jealous of the sunshine. I was in Chicago. Uh, for a long weekend, and uh, it rained oh. most of the time. Oh, so yeah. send some of that sun my way. We'll do what we can. That was wonderful. All right. All right. Artisha is joining us from Association Forum, the Association of Associations in Chicago, where she leads as president and CEO. And we were just talking before we hit record here. We love data. We love numbers on this show. So I'm going to dive into a few numbers here that'll give our listeners a sense of Association Forum's wide scope. So founded in 1916, Association Forum has nearly 4,000 members who represent more than 44,000 association professionals from nearly 1,600 Chicago associations. Couple more numbers here. These organizations serve 27 million individual members, have 9 million donors, and generate $10.3 billion annually in economic impact. Wow. Yeah. Right. Well, wow. Well done. Wow. I think, yeah, I think when you hear the numbers and the power of associations and our industry overall, it really is the kind of big unknown industry because what we do in association management as professionals is really support the industries. And you just fill in the blank, whether it's engineering and healthcare and science, whether it is people on Etsy, right, that have their own association. And so that number recount is always something that gives me inspiration for what I do every day. And when we're at sort of, you know, I was learning about Association Forum and, and what it is you do. So I learned that your professional journey began working in IT. So I'm curious, what was the path like moving from IT into your current position? I will say, you know, it's interesting because even from the IT standpoint, it really started as a clerk and admin, right? So not even that went into developing technology-based skills. So I would say my nonprofit career started about 25 years ago, and I was a clerk for a nonprofit uh, adoption agency, actually. And the journey into technology really was they had a database. They It was international adoption. Mm-hmm. They had a database that they were trying to manage uh, children coming over for the summer camp program from Russia. Who was coming year over year? How was that working? And they had all of this, and this is going to date me a little bit, but a lot of paper files, mm-hmm. right? How are we managing this? So I remember sitting at the front desk being kind of receptionist clerk, and they had this problem. And I think this is the root of all technology solutions in some aspects, a problem that they needed solved. And my mind worked, let's solve it in a digital way at the time, right? The beginning parts of that. So I remember the four dummies book that I got (laughs) uh, from the bookstore on my way home Mm -hmm. of coding. For dummies and those beautiful yellow books and I and I read it and I came in and I said I'm going to build a SQL based database I didn't know what that was uh-huh. 
but I'm a building. Sounds great. And that, yeah, you know, and it did things. It had click this button and be able to do this and dashboards and pull out reports and queries and be able to put things in. I learned a lot in doing that. It actually advanced and, and sent a trajectory of my career because the skills around problem solving, but laying things out in a logical way, that's what coding kind of puts it in your mind, regardless of however you do it, it has to be done in this kind of systematic way. And if you break it, you've got to unthread it in some kind of systematic way to fix That's it. That's the best part when you break it, because you're, you're you're really yeah. going to learn then. Who are you telling? I love that part. <laughs> I, when I was in the fourth grade, sidebar, when I was in the fourth grade, I took apart the telephone, fourth or fifth grade, and I took apart the telephone and my mom was furious. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but she didn't punish me. The next day she worked in a government office and the next day she brought home one of those big block telephones mm -hmm. and says, have at it. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Don't mess with the house phone. Right. Mm -hmm. But that curiosity. So I think unthreading it, figuring it out, those particular things started my career in this journey. And then really like most association executives from that kind of jump off, I needed a job. I didn't know that I was going to be an association executive. I applied for an administrative assistant job at an association and they talked to me about coding the database what they needed it for. They ended up having an access database that was SQL driven. And from that, they offered me a membership manager job and now association executive, but that started this journey. I took over IT strategy in the early, I would say mid 2000s, around 2009. And again, by accident, on purpose by accident, mm -hmm. I would say. We had an IT person. I'm not a traditional IT person. So we had an IT person and that person was leaving the organization. We had a consultant come in and do an assessment. And the assessment was kind of like the Jerry Maguire when he wrote the manifesto. It rocked my world. <laughs> it totally rocked my world. So I pitched to the CEO, I was senior staff at the time, that I would like to lead IT strategy. And she was like, wait, what? You don't do that. <laughs> yeah, you're a membership person. What does that have to do with technology? But I really said it wasn't about fixing the things. It was about understanding how it needed to be laid out and translating our corporate strategy into IT projects that made sense, that helped our members. When we looked at that, and then the piece that I did bring was a natural just love numbers uh, uh, finance acumen, that, after she thought about it for a few weeks, came back and said, absolutely. And so in 2008, when I took over the IT team and led big projects from there, it was always a kind of rooting into solving problems, using tech, and then empowering people. I just have a knack for understanding the systems. So that's a long way to say I stumbled into this by accident and I love it. <laughs> that pretty much tracks my path into this uh, line of work too. I think it's, you know, if you like solving problems, these were the tools to solve the problems with now. And I, I think you can be so effective. And it sounds like you found that. I'm, one thing I'm interested in hearing about, though, is like people who have these skills are given kind of a, a different social status, I've noticed. Have you, have you noticed that? And like maybe sometimes that makes you somewhat unrelated, like, oh, I could never do what you do. It's like. Yeah, yeah, 
Yes. So I try to uh, really tell, speak the truth of what that is. I am definitely the Mr. Magoo for the listeners who know, you know, right? Because some people are too (laughs) young to know who Mr. Magoo is. I'm stumbling and making the way. I say that to say there are some really wicked, cool, smart people I have learned from and get to work with. But it is my natural curiosity and um, ability to listen, I think, that makes it to be able to be the translator. But I don't try to show up as who I'm not. And so when I think about what that is, I've also seen in the last 20 years the evolution of what technology skills are. So this thing around leadership skills, not being just strategic thinking and being able to build consensus, you need to do some of the things that I had to learn to lead IT. How do I problem solve in a very systems way, right? Not a individualistic way. So how do I look at the whole system and think of the ecosystem? That came from my, in the beginning, it was kind of IT because we were deploying, you know, new technology or working with a managed service provider to move to the cloud. So we had to think in this systems way. But now as a CEO, I'm asking my teams to do that, whether that is education, drivers, right, or marketing, how do we, and that was something that I learned in IT. So I think as we look at the evolution of admin and not soft skills, but really those power skills, they're really rooted in things like understanding how to leverage technology effectively, how to drive investment in technology that really powers futuristic outputs to analyze data in a way to be predictive, not just, oh, do our members like it, but what will they like in five years? Mm-hmm. It's probably in your database right now. Exactly. So that's an interesting way to think about it, those skill evolutions. But there is this the big brains, you know, the big ones that you're like, oh my goodness, you also walk, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) yeah, walk. What are you talking about? (laughs) Well, I like to thinking about the, the first part of the story, where this came from, you were working with children overseas. I mean, if there's ever data to capture that you need to track very, very closely, I, I, I can't think of a it's hard to think of an instance that's kind of equal to that. So this mm-hmm. this um, skill set or you know ability is sort of born out of this problem that you saw that needed to be solved and is directly tied back to the well being of people, uh, and then mm-hmm. you know continuing to to see that throughout the thread of your work. Yeah, that piece for me, and that's what the sweet spot of being in this industry of association management. I I say loosely that we are the business of the heart, Mm -hmm. right? Because whatever the profession is, and again, we represent all, there's an association for every profession, every kind of group, everything. Yeah, I'm I'm learning that. Yeah. It is. It is. I mean, you know, when we look at even that's just in the Chicago base, when you think nationally, when you think globally, there's a lot of people aligned with the heart. And what we do is values-based. Right. It just is as our industry, because the in the values and principles and, and kind of things that lead to certifications. Right. To make sure that quality is baked in, to make sure that human lives are preserved. All of that is in the root of what we do every day and in amplifying people. So I stumbled into something that aligns deeply with who I am as a person. I want to solve and empower people, period. Solve problems, empower them and then learn from them, right? And Mm -hmm. so in the association space, everybody comes in and out of, whether you're a volunteer 
and serves on the boards, whether you're the staff, whether you are the next gen that gets a scholarship from this kind of whatever the industry is, whether you're the academic research arm that's being published in the journal, insert all of the roles. That is how do we align with the heart and then drive it from a business standpoint. And that I am blessed to say, the tech side and being more for-profit thinking in associations has been beneficial to me, but that's a gap in some aspects in our industry as we evolve. How do we start to keep our core principles, values, heart, but now adopt some more business-centric kind of things, Mm -hmm. driving market acquisition, market share analysis, those things as we evolve into the future. Would you, what would you tell people working in technical roles today in associations if they wanted to follow a path like yours and kind of move into maybe a more general leadership type role? What, what, what could you recommend that they start broadening their perspective with? I think the bigger thing that I have learned in being in this, and one of my uh, core partners years ago said that I was the IT whisperer. So when he called me the IT whisperer, I think that that is what I would tell most of my real tech tech staff. Understanding the needs of management, Mm. the board, right? The bigger strategy pieces. Because sometimes what happens is when you can understand systems, codes, those things, you forget that people are people-y and they are not going to follow the script. (laughs) I love that people are people-y. Yes. Yeah, especially when life gets lifey. Very then, much so. Who are yeah. you telling? Yes. Who are you telling? They're not going to follow the script. And it's always, people are going to people every time. So that part drives technical people absolutely insane. Why can't they just act like da-da-da-da-da? We laid out this plan and it seemed very succinct and da-da-da-da-da, it's going to happen this way. It's not an algorithm. It's not an algorithm. An algorithm happens the same way every time because it's coded to do that every time. If something botches, it was in the code that botched it, so you need to fix it, right? People are not like that. Today I had a really great lunch and I was very excited. Yesterday I was a little bit hangry. Same Tisha, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Same person. I'm strategic, but then I'm not because I want to go watch the Wham documentary, right? Like it, it just is what it is. So people are going to people and tech people don't like that. And so as you go up and that now that I sit in this role as the CEO, it's its own mind trip Um, because I was a senior staff person for, you know, 15 years or so working across teams. CEO is a different whole game. But as you go up, it becomes less about your technical all the way. You still have to have your jobs, but it becomes more about managing people. So having high levels of emotional intelligence, people think, oh, I edit my emotions. That's not it. There's a whole 34 different levels of emotional intelligence and trying to embrace and and master more than a handful of them helps dramatically as you go up in your career. That's great stuff. And I'm, you know, I'm curious too, because we hear uh, a lot about mentorship programs and and mentoring. And do you find that that's a, a topic that that comes to the forefront in in those sort of relationships? Yes. I, I, if they don't bring it up, I encourage it. Mm -hmm. I encourage our listeners. 
I also have been telling people like me um, that have more grades coming in than not, that we also need to reverse mentor. We need to reach out to somebody who's 25 years younger than us, especially if you have children, you think, oh, I got kids. No, 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 not your kids, because your kids are your kids. But talk to them, ask them things, listen, because I will say that mentoring part helps understand people. And the people part is why we, is the work, right? That's where we're, what we're doing it for, whatever it is, whatever industry you're working in. So I think the mentoring is important. And I think, again, when I look at associations, that piece of stewarding a profession, but also helping with evolution, there's still a, a thing as we have five generations in the workforce, you still have to be able to pitch your idea. I say that in this way because whether you are 80 or whether you are 20, you still have to pitch an idea. It's how you go about doing it and how the people hear it in the generational blocks. And if you don't have mentorship, coaching and support and have a diverse network of different people and background, how do you get an idea to even stick? Mm -hmm. So I think mentoring is key and associations, insert the industry, both even at association forum, we really focus on how to make connections, mentorship, access points to help build your circle to empower you to do wonderful things. Those networks and those connections, uh, how do you see the role of the, you know, this is a data show. So we're kind of, you know, where does data fit into this? Like, you know, these, these networks are important, you know, kind of have their own intelligence of their own. Are you seeing people leverage that? Not in the way that I think we could, okay? So we're moving into a world of data science not being sci-fi. Do you know what I'm oh, saying? Y'all yeah. know it, what I'm saying straight up. It used to be like Star Trek, like data science. What is that, right? Let's like, go I find the guy with the blue shirt. We'll ask him. Exactly. He'll say something I don't exactly. understand. Call y'all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't have data. I got to talk to my board. Now we have to be very versed in that. Because data is something that is a, a commodity, not just insight, but an intelligence, but actually a way to drive understanding value. The other part is we need to question our data sources of such, because the way that associations, especially some of us that are, um, you know, of leading a group that's well over 100 years old, We've been trying to continue to push out from 100 years ago data structures, thinking paths. So we need how registration works over here is separate because that was an industrial kind of revolution kind of thing. Processing happens here and then this kind of collection happens here. That's not how the world is now. Mm -hmm. And so as we start to look at things like data science, then we have to think about things like data stewardship, mm. right? And the collective pieces of that. And I don't hear enough boards talking about the need to reinvest in their workforce to change this fundamental thinking, to really look at systems, not how do we work with our insert provider to fix whatever the coding is right now. We have empowered workforce. We have 25-year-olds that are not just digitally native, 
they're futuristically made, uh, savvy, right? They're futuristically savvy. And we're still trying to figure out how to get a naming convention. What are you talking about? <laughs> so I do think that as we look at this, and this is where we need partners like y'all that are living in the matrix. Do you see how I love movies and TV? I don't mm-hmm. say about five of them tonight. But that y'all live in the back of the matrix to help us because the boards are slow to the uptick right now when we look at things like around data and understanding the big opportunity, not to fix the database, Mm -hmm. not how much, well, we don't have money to fix it. So we'll just keep putting a bandaid on it. The staff doesn't know the skills that they're going to need right now, let alone five years from now. The boards are talking about the wrong pieces as it relates to this and our systems that we rely on right now are really struggling to figure out how to evolve quickly enough to meet our needs. So it's this beautiful, I think, perfect storm of opportunity, but others don't see it like that. You know, they're like, what? Oh. well, that's that, that moment where we all agree data is important, but we don't necessarily agree what is data and what, what mm. about it is important. And it gets kind of caught up into competitive pressures, perhaps. I mean, you do have mm. you do have peers on the board who, you know, at that table they are friends, but you know, you, when they leave the room, they're at each other's throats, competing with each other, and they don't want to give you a leg up here or anywhere. So, what are we going to share? Well, maybe this. And I feel like, you know, that's where those people skills come in. It's like if if mm. you can get them to pull together, then we can all achieve more. Otherwise, all of this potential is just going to get left on the side of the road. Like it has kind of throughout my entire career, I think I feel like these opportunities could be a whole lot better leveraged here. And I'm, I'm glad you see things, it's, you know, not to put words in your mouth, but it feels like you kind of see that potential as well. Yeah. And from my standpoint and the the listeners, especially the ones in my membership that know me well, know how I am. So I'm not shocking anyone. I'm a beautiful dystopian future kind of person, meaning I love Tina Turner at Rest in Power. And so that Mad Max future, that is going to be me riding this data wave, right? We're going to get it and build a new future. Here's why I say that. Right now we have competitors that we did not foresee 10 years ago in the way that they're doing it. The way that the for-profits have understood what we've had this beautiful sweet spot of how associations and management and you know certifications and those kind of things, uh, peer-reviewed research and all of the things that make our industry so beautiful, it's been in this beautifully contained bubble that that's what associations do until LinkedIn, yes, right? Mm-hmm. Until we started to think about when LinkedIn bought lynda.com and now they're LinkedIn learning. What do we do? We do professional development, leadership development, skills development. LinkedIn does community networking. I can reach out to Erin and say, would you be my mentor? And she could say, absolutely. And I don't need no association to do that. I recommend it, and by then, the way. <laughs> come on, oh, that, look, come on with it. I'm saying, uh-huh. I'm signing up. But even ResearchGate, leaned into the science realm. It's free to join. You can share your research and have peers weigh in on it without an association. So this competitor piece now that's sitting around the board, we we they, I call us beautifully the alphabets, right? All of the different professional societies that support the professions too. How do we all come together? The future of our beautiful industry, the industry that changed my life, we got to figure out how to be more savvy and evolve. 
what space do you need to where you are doing it? And then I'm gonna let that go because that's how businesses work. Yes, we want world domination. I mean, this is America, but in some aspect, we really are also getting really good about being lean and agile and staying and thriving and supporting our customers and partnering with the others that are going to do that. So if you're going to do it over there, I don't need to compete with you on it. Here's what I'm doing. But there's only one professional and the for-profits know how to do it. Look at the social media companies. If they don't know how to leverage a profile build, this is the opportunity. But the data has to be in a way that we can pass it through, right? Mm -hmm. To figure out what that looks like. Because when you, if I'm servicing you as a professional, you probably have four different associations that you're a member of. Why do I got to keep telling y'all the same thing that y'all can't pull down from the Google Cloud or better yet, Amazon? Right? Like, here's who I am because you know I'm going to buy these cookies every month. Mm -hmm. So I think that this is where you can help us. But then also... Mr. Magoo, Artisha, what do I not know? Because even when I talked to you all the first time, uh, you know, just to get to know you, you hit me to things that I didn't know. I know a warehouse and this, but lakes and oceans and data yeah. things. Like, what? Such a jargon. Are we data in a boat? What are we doing? <laughs> I want to learn more because it's going to help us evolve as an industry. And that's always our our listeners know. I've said it a couple times before. I'm a non-traditional hire into this world. Um, I worked before this professionally as a, an educator and a musician. So this this Ooh. is a totally uh, a new place for me to be. And and side note, it's been absolutely fantastic. But I, you know, my heart always goes pitter patter when I hear about learning opportunities and and education. And you know, I I have the the privilege of working here in this space where I can ask anything really. Um, and people are willing to to educate me and have have learned so much. And I'm always I'm excited anytime I can come forward and say, yeah, I don't know what that means. Uh, tell mm-hmm. me more. And so I I love hearing people at the the leadership level kind of say the exact same thing that that's that's what we need to move forward in this space. We have to have people saying, what does that mean? Tell me more. And then working together from there. Spirit of community and the spirit of like, we're all going to get better when we share these things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We don't need to hoard mm-hmm. them. They're, they're not as useful when you hoard them. I think we need to make, you know, get past that. So I'm thrilled to hear that stuff. So, uh, Tell us more about uh, um, we've. I've had a little peek at uh, what Association Forum is working on here, and uh, you know, I, I think the the vision you've set forth is fascinating. But it's it's best coming from you, not from me. So I, mm-hmm. I feel like uh, tell us a little more about that. So you know, I will say I am so blessed. And recently, we honored our community with our annual honors gala, and I had an opportunity to connect with the kind of previous CEOs who are still very active in our space. And I am blessed to say that I inherited an organization that has a thriving focus on practice guidance, but also this deep level of support and amplification for association professionals, both in Chicago, but beyond. But as we look at where we're going in the future and our new business strategy, I think similar to what I just said, What does it look like for us? And for us, it's a bolder, brighter future for our workforce. 
that really enforces the kind of values that we are as an association community. The piece of the business of the heart, but also making sure to evolve our guidance for the various associations around things like what we have an initiative called Welcoming Environment, diversity, equity, and inclusion and accessibility, really under the sense of belonging, true belonging. That's been something that I think is a vertical through everything that we do. But when we we start to look at where we're going, we've kind of looked at the grand challenge to say, okay, where does associations go in the future? And from that grand challenge, we see some critical areas of opportunity and really focusing on workforce. So what does that look like? We kind of said we have three critical issues or topics that we're kind of moving into the future. And they are, number one, new power leadership. So that's empowerment of all different types of professionals. So I would say, even though I've been doing this 25 years, I'm a new power kind of leader. I'm coming from a different slant in the association. I have a different viewpoint. I'm a child of hip hop, right? I just have this different view. I've been working for a long time in this space, so I can also wax poetic with the old guard. But I'm coming with these new pieces. What is the voice of the coordinator who also is a YouTuber and making more money than the CEO? Mm -hmm. Does that person have to work up the ranks to be able to drive business strategy? No, we don't think so. So how do we amplify them and give them the skills that they need in this new power way? We also are looking at entrepreneurship because we know that there's a lot of entrepreneurs. There's a lot of people who have ideas within their within their organizations that could go out and, and put their own shields up, especially in the gig economy, and, and drive things. But they're taking that entrepreneur spirit and fixing it internally for their organizations and then in turn for their industries. So how do we accelerate that? And then the last area is tomorrow is now. And my teams and everyone thought it was really our teachers talking about tech. I'm not. Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm talking about all kinds of futuristic thinking. I had an opportunity to serve on a, a committee that focused on futures, drivers, and future trends. And looking at that work, it inspired me so much because it isn't just about technology and holograms as much as I love it. Metaverse, Flying it, cars. right? right? It's about anything. It's about things like how does governance evolve in the future where it's more fluid and you don't have a committee structure because that's happening right now, right? Mm-hmm. So those buckets, tomorrow is now, entrepreneurship and new power leadership. And then the other area that we're pushing down from, from our strategy is really, how do we serve every part of the career uh, span? So not just CEOs, a lot of professional societies look at the kind of decision makers because those are the ones that get to pay dues and get to go to conferences and those things, right? So how do you start to move away from CEO and everyone else to C-suite, those leading organizations and industries, right? And the needs that they have versus what we're calling empowered middle. Mm -hmm. Those that are leading teams and deploying kind of these strategies into ops and, and, and kind of getting things done. And then the area that was surprising in the data, back to data, that when we looked at when I started, 22% of our followers on LinkedIn last year were coordinators. Hmm. We didn't have a lot of content. That was specifically towards them. But they came anyway. They came anyway. 
And so as we started to lean into them, we said, there's an opportunity for us to look at what I've done in the last 10 years of my career is really workforce development. How do we start not at the end where you are already kind of looking to give back and give case studies and talk about the bigger pieces that you're doing, but to the functional expert who's been working in an association for 15 years, but needs to reskill, skill up and, and be empowered. So we're looking at rolling out different content for where people are, but also we're in hyper listening mode. We're in under renovation. We're a new organization after the pandemic. We have a new strategic focus. Where are we going? But we also understand that our industry is trying to figure out where it's going. So as we're under renovation, we're trying to hear people. We're going to try some stuff. It may work. It may not. Uh, I don't always like to say fail fast and forward because people boards get scared about that. But if it isn't working and we don't have the data to support it, but it also isn't making good business sense, it has a margin, it has a return, we can do, then we've got to say we tried and it didn't work and fail and let's do something else. So that's what we're trying to do at the forum. I'm excited to be here during this time of change. And I think back to our earlier part of this conversation, being in a tech leadership role for a long time helped me get real comfortable with failure because I tell everybody, everybody thinks a launch is going to be smooth. It ain't. <laughs> oh, the, the lies we tell ourselves, yes. And so that has actually made me be really comfortable with being uncomfortable, sitting in board chairs where we said we were going to spend 400000 and it came in way over that, um, oh, yeah. you know, or something that it was going to launch that day and we pushed it and it did launch and then all the bugs came and ate up the whole system and it just crashed everything and everybody was watching. Yeah, you get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And so I'm blessed to be at the forum where I have my board or my peers that I've looked up to for so long and we all know it's rocky right now but we believe that we have at least the seeds that we're planting for the future. If you wanted to ever learn a career where uh, I'd say the, the beauty of, and, and the challenge of a tech career is that you must continue learning. It's uh, <laughs> at a pace that most other careers do not have to keep learning. So if you are, if you are, uncom you know, if you're uncomfortable in uncertainty, you're probably not going to do very well there, which is also, you're not going to do very well in leadership either doing that. So I think, you know, you, your, your background in, you know, has you very well suited for this moment. So I'm, I'm excited to see what, what uh, y'all come up with here. So, you know, and I, I love what you said too, because as we use the, uh, uh, Clifton Strengths Finder assessment internally, and my number one strength is learner. And that I think back to what I told you about the phone, right? With my with my mom, I am just curious. Well, my grandma would say nosy. I'm just nosy. <laughs> why is it? Why does it work like that? Well, who said that? Well, why? Well, why would we do that? Well, what? That drives my husband a little bit cray. But I think for me, I just want to learn so that I can quickly tell somebody else here, you know, maybe this may help you. Mm -hmm. Maybe this could help. But I do know that also as a business person, that it's an unlearning 
because in the 80s, 90s, right, and early 2000s, what being successful meant was knowing it, having bravado, being able to drive to a solution, da, 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 not saying, right, all of those things that we were, we were, I'm scratching my head right now, we were successful at doing. Not saying, I don't know, I'm curious, I don't know, it might not work, right? Could I imagine in 1999 going to the board and saying, I need this money and it might work, it might not. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, and you know, I can see that in the in the themes that you talked about. You're the words you're developing, you're exploring, emerging. I mean, that that's really just woven into that into that fabric. When you were um, choosing those themes, did that kind of come out of, of data or research, or how did how did you dial in on those? Both uh, the kind of quantitative and qualitative data. So there was leading to our business strategy, we worked with a group and they did a kind of comprehensive surveys, those particular things looked at our database, looked at our results, looked at all of this kind of wide view for about 18 months under the previous CEO. When I came on board, I had access to all of that, as well as kind of the, you know, the different surveys and different tools, the scores and evaluations and everything. But then, as with most uh, folks in, in my current role, you kind of start with the listening tour. So I set up kind of a different circles of bands of kind of close in stakeholders and then out and then out and then out and then out, right? Mm -hmm. And so in personal interviews, hour long, hour and a half long interviews, I probably in the first seven or eight months met with about 100 to 125 people. And I asked them the real deal, right? So not just because surveys and, and some of the big data grabs will give you trends, but it won't give you the pieces that I wanted to get at. What is missing? Not what would you like to see? How did it work? How did it feel? What does that feel like? What does it? So I'm I'm happy that people told me the thing. Mm -hmm. I also am well versed on how to get the thing. Again, I know how to take specification meetings, right? In discovery, because people always say, I want a car. No, you don't. You want what the car <laughs> does. You don't want the car. You don't exactly. Don't tell me that. Tell me what you want to be done or tell me what this feels mm -hmm. like. So those are how we came up with those, those pieces. But really some of it also is a little pushing. So having experience knowing future drivers. Understanding we have partners now with academic folks, like we have a new partnership with Northwestern University. Understanding the trends that are coming from academia and where we're going for workforce. And then I think the other part of this is working across the different alphabet groups, you know, from whether it's the meeting professionals, whether it's ASAE and other groups to kind of look at a wide view of what the workforce is going to need. That's great. You're really bringing some of the, the right people to the table here. I think that will uh, increase. So uh, hopefully everything uh, aligns and you can move forward. That's, I mean, the, the risk I, the only risk I see is when you bring too many people, it's like we end up kind of having 50 different conversations and we don't go anywhere. Exactly. And I learned that the hard way in healthcare. <laughs> When you do too wide of a net or it's to what your earlier point is, I'm not naive into thinking that we also have competitive things that we need to do. So we've got to be real clear on what the one or two things are. And then we have to be OK with the fact that we are businesses. And I say that with the raised eyebrows that y'all can't see because I'm looking fabulous right now. But um, 
I say that with all sincerity in my heart. I'm clear about what my task is. Without money, there's no mission. No. So how do we get to a place where what is the thing like? So I think, and you guys are probably well-versed in this too, but there's principles high level that look at data, right? There's like a, you know, I, I'm just going to say it because I, I, I don't know what it's called right now on the top of my head, like a UN of data, right? There's a lot of different players. There's a lot of different things. And here's our principles. But then we go off and do our own thing. <laughs> so how do we start to look at that? So as we look at, we're all looking at diversity, equity, and inclusion. We're all looking at sustainability goals. We're all looking at keeping a thriving industry for ourselves you know, for association management professionals, we're all looking at those things. How do we share data about that? But then the delivery mechanisms, the opportunities and the ideas, they live within your membership, your business strategies, your pieces, they, those kind of implementations. So I agree with what you're saying. It's we're not trying to literally have a UN because that uh, gets messy. But even in the UN, the U.S. can sit next to France. But if we competing on something, we the U.S., yeah. <laughs> as long as we don't hurt you, we, we don't. don't you know what I mean? So I think that that's what we have to look at in some aspect. But it's messy. I will say that it's messy. It's messy, but <laughs> necessary. I guess this is exactly this is the work of associations. These are places where we kind of come together and, and you know peers at one table and try to move together. And that's. You know, for just for people in general, or families, that's not always very easy either, you know. So I think, uh, you know, that that is work of the heart, if uh, I can borrow the term, I guess. Yeah. I, yeah. Borrow it, use it, amplify oh, it. Yes, it is. And that I, is beautiful. Finding the opportunities in, in the mess. I, I think that's that's a great way to look at that rather than just, you know, sweeping it under the rug, waiting for someone else to do it. Um, yeah. I don't have that DNA. Yeah. Honey. I don't have <laughs> my DNA. I just, I'm nosy. I just told you I was nosy. Yeah. I want to know what is under the rug. Mm -hmm. Well, look, show me then. Yep. Lift it up. <laughs> well, thanks so much, Artisha, for joining us today. We are so looking forward to this, and we know our, our listeners are gonna are gonna get a lot out of it. We're gonna link in the show notes the Association Forum uh, website so you can check that out and see some of their exciting things coming up. In fact, tell us about something exciting that's that's on the horizon for you guys. So we have a couple of things. I would say uh, go to the website, also follow us on LinkedIn. Uh, we have a lot of great things that are happening. We have some member pop-up events that are coming. We also will be at ASAE uh, in a couple of weeks. So if you all are there on Saturday, stop by. Uh, in Atlanta, and we're going to have a pre-gaming before we go to the opening over together. We have series of webinars that are coming up, some great topics, one coming up on allyship that is fantastic. Um, and then right now, we're really excited because our big annual gathering that we are evolving uh, is Holiday Showcase, and that is later this year. It'll be the 35th uh, annual uh, holiday showcase. And there we will have our 40 under 40 huge program, our 40 under 40 awards ceremony there as well. So lots of stuff, check out on the website and I hope to see you all at something soon. Um, yay. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Artisha. It's been a delight. Thank you so Thank much. You. Association Data Points is brought to you by Hargrove and Associates. 
Since 1985, we've helped associations serve their most critical member data needs by collecting, producing, and delivering exclusive market information. You can visit us online at hargrovedata.com.